Your life matters. That's certainly been our contention for the last 30-odd years. But how to make sense of our lives is another thing. Telling our own stories in whatever artistic medium you choose, poetry, drawing, dance, that can help us frame our experience and process our feelings about it. Paul Rhodes is with us today. He's a clinical psychologist and associate professor at the University of Sydney. And he's also an artist and art teacher. Paul, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Interesting combo of experiences. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm that. old, so I've done a lot able to do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the bonuses, isn't it? <laughs> and Amra Pialic is with us too. She's an award-winning author and memoirist. Her book, Things Nobody Knows But Me, has been out a couple of years, and a teacher too. She runs life writing workshops. Amra, great to have you on the program. Thank you so much for having me. Very much a pleasure. Finding this a really interesting thing to think about, about the stories we tell ourselves and how we externalise them. Paul Rhodes, how important is the story we tell ourselves to our well-being, the way we feel about ourselves? Uh, well, some would argue that the story we tell ourselves is ourself, if you understand, that ourself is really only a story that's told, that we tell ourselves, that we tell other people, that we perform in front of other people. There's no kind of blob of jelly inside us that is the self. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little destabilizing. You know, it, 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 some would argue the self is essentially a narrative, uh, a narrative thing. So, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's critical or central or even the only thing that really matters in terms of our, our identity. Well, I guess, you know, the talking therapies have drawn on that for a long time, mm. haven't they? Tell me what the thing is and we will help uh, shape that and change it. Mm. Tell me, though, about narrative therapy. That's a very specific thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, many therapies are really focused on uh, particular symptoms and alleviating those symptoms and, and actually decontextualizing them a little from the personal narrative. Uh, Australia's main contribution to the history of therapy is narrative therapy, actually, that's gone off wild around the world. And it is a, a literary means to therapeutic ends. So it is basically a therapy that helps you uh, reauthor your narrative around things that you may have lost or that might be in the margins, but that may, might be liberatory in your life or preferred. The, author, the, the therapist and the client look at... Uh, bringing those stories out, thickening those stories, bringing in witnesses to those stories from your family to make them thicker and uh, so that they can guide your life in a more adaptive way. So it's a bit of a collaborative therapy. It, you can bring in people from your life who, uh, who believe in you and who know and who can remember the stories that might have been lost to bring them back so that you can then strengthen them and use them uh, to free you from certain mental health distress. It's really interesting, isn't yeah. it, when you talk to your siblings and they go, you don't mm. remember this thing. It's like, no, I only remember this bad thing. And they're like, but what about all the good things? It's a fascinating <laughs> yeah, exactly, process. Yeah. We're speaking with Paul Rhodes, who's a clinical psychologist mm. and associate professor at the University of Sydney and an artist and art teacher. And with us too is Amra Pialic, who's an author and memoirist and a teacher. And I think that there's a theme emerging here about how you help people tell different stories. Paul, tell us a little bit about art therapy and how art therapy and narrative therapy therapy can work together? Well, I mean, art therapy in terms of the visual arts therapy is different from narrative therapy, which I guess it draws more in the literary uh, uh, field. Art therapy itself uh, still helps people tell stories, but through, uh, through visual means. Um, art therapy can be used a lot in trauma, for example, uh, where you're helping people to, once, once they're strong enough and you've built their uh, strengths and relationships to go back over some of the traumas they have and face them so they don't haunt them at night or haunt them when they're triggered by external events. And art provides a really amazing way 
to allow people to enter into those memories in a way that's safe and even in a way that where they feel in control and strong but they can uh, remember them so they're not they're not haunting them for the rest of their life and i i've done quite a lot of that it's very useful uh way of doing we, we call it imaginal rescripting so you help people uh, in, reimagine what happened and do it in an empowered way and it can change parts of the visual image so they're more powerful in the story which helps liberate them from the trauma is that that example i uh was coming across in the background reading where you can draw yourself as bigger and more powerful yeah so for example if you experience trauma as a child uh, you can draw yourself as a monster that eats the perpetrator you know like uh, 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 which which can kind of be humorous and dark humor is really useful in that that kind of uh, trauma work in art so yeah. art therapy obviously a bit different from just doing some art by yourself is that because you you get the guidance and support from a psychologist yeah i mean doing art by yourself when you are experiencing mental distress is also really good because it helps develop your identity as someone who's not defined by deficits but defined by strengths and defined by talents and skills but that's a whole other thing yeah <laughs> that's a whole other great thing i mean that sounds like it could be a really powerful thing if you just sit down and write something or sit down and draw something that can take you away from the things you're ruminating on at least exactly and especially if you focus on developing a technique and method so that you're take you're, you're developing a discipline which can be very good for you and, and so that you can really tell your story in a way that others can appreciate one text says making up singing and my making up and singing my own songs has got me through the hardest times when i find time i will write my mum's memoir which with her in absence. Tell me your plan, your project or something that you have done that uh, has helped you tell or change a story about yourself. 0418 Amra Payalic, you published your memoir, Things Nobody Knows But Me, uh, in 2019. How did writing that story as a memoir help you process some of your experiences? Well, it was interesting listening to Paul and some of the things that he was saying. Um, that's what I went through, where um, my memoir is about growing up with my mum who suffers from bipolar, but it's within the non-English speaking background context. So we didn't know the name of her illness. We didn't know the symptoms. We just sort of, you know, as a child, I grew up with this bizarre mum who did strange things and I had this very strange life as a result of it. Um, and writing it helped me process and understand um, but also work through some of those memories. So there were a few things that happened in terms of integrating some of the experiences that, you know, I didn't remember and I could interview my mum about and find her perspective. Um, and it was also understanding my mother. When you grow up in situations like that and you don't understand what's going on, you just accept as a child. Um, and then as an adult, being able to sort of peel back the layers uh, interview her, look at her medical records, really, um, you know, research some of the things that I didn't know about, helped me make sense of it and helped me sort of integrate that trauma um, and process it better and be able to move on a little bit from it. I was thinking about Paul's example of, you know, drawing the person who'd hurt you small and you really big or, or you were, you know, chomping them up or stomping them or something. I guess in a memoir, there's lots of power relationships that come into play, aren't there? Did you have to think and make decisions about how to represent people given that as the writer you had a kind of power over them? Yeah, but I also had to make the decision whose story is it. And so for me, this story was about my mum and it was about her experiences. And obviously as a mental health um, sufferer, you know, um, and especially when, when someone's got bipolar, they kind of lose touch with reality. So I 
tried to find as many points of truth that I could confirm through medical records or independent means. Um, but, you know, it is her story, it is her memories, um, and then it's also my memories, and then it's also sort of leaving some of it where it's like, well, this is what I think happened, um, because you do have to tell the truth. But memory is uh, a very interesting thing. You know, there's that saying, her story, his story and the truth. Um, and you're never, you know, whoever's writing, they make the decision. So I, I didn't want to hurt anyone or represent anyone in a negative light. Um, and I tried to work at that. But when you send something out into the world, um, you know, you, you just have to always keep your purpose in mind. And my purpose was sharing my mum's story and my mum was very committed to that also in terms of, you know, if we can help one person understand what it's like to have mental um, health issues, especially from that non-English speaking background context. And we did that, you know, we did have people um, writing to me and that I could share with her when she was still with me to see that we had achieved that purpose. Interesting text here on uh, narrative therapy and, and rewriting stories as we speak with Amra Pialic and Paul Rhodes. I work with family businesses in conflict. One of my most effective strategies involves taking family members back to a point in family life that they can blame for decades of conflict, then take a current perspective to acknowledge and accept what happened to allow everyone to move forward to a more harmonious future. And that's not an art practice, but it's a work of art what you're doing there. Amra, how do you take care of yourself when you're writing the hard stuff? Because it sounds like writing can help you work through trauma, but it could also put you back in touch with some of those dark places. Yeah, it did. I, I did have to take breaks from writing and write things that were more fun and light. I did um, have to go seek therapy and counselling uh, at certain points when I really descended into some dark places and was sort of experiencing PTSD. And then I also had to, you know, I had support systems. Um, when you're writing things that are about family, there are certain people um, that don't want um, that out there or are very threatened by it. So I had my support systems in terms of people who um, I could speak to about things uh, and keep myself safe and sort of keep that story uh, in mind. But yeah, you go you go through quite a roller coaster. I actually started writing because I had PTSD after giving birth to my daughter and, and remembering um, all these childhood experiences uh, from the perspective of being a mother. Uh, and judging my mum and then going uh, through the process of writing and uh, actually wrote um, sections from her perspective and recreated her voice. And that also really helped me to sort of think about her side of it and think about what she, why she did some of the things that she did that unjudged her um, and then, you know, having a lot of empathy and a lot of forgiveness mm. um, bringing us closer that uh, that reference to voice is really interesting too, because you're you're finding your voice, but you're also uh, kind of trying to understand the other voices in the story. Paul Rhodes, we often kind of talk about art helping us find our voice. Why is that an important thing? Referencing the way you talked about our identities before as not being this kind of preformed blob inside us, mm -hmm. but always in motion and in relation to other people. Uh, I mean, finding. Uh 
finding your voice in art that's what art's all about you know an artist who's developed a practice you can tell it's their work just like you can tell their fingerprint you know their personality or you know it's very important yeah helen garner's sentences yeah <laughs> actually i was um, in sydney i was looking at uh, an exhibition called art from the heart at the cross which is uh, an art exhibition um that takes place in the uh, injecting rooms and all the patients who've been in the medical injecting rooms go in that gala in that exhibition it's been going for 20 years and the art there is as good as art in any other gallery and those people have found their voice and that voice has carried them from being defined you know in in ways that society judges to being something that's very important and valued and uh, and and valued in their own lives and finding a voice there is a really liberate liberatory experience you know so we were hearing though from Amra how it can be quite hard working through all the things to to get the story out on the page or on the canvas yeah. how do you protect yourself when you're going through that process of finding your voice and and you know working through the judgment that society might have put on you before you get to going I'm me and this is this is me and accept yeah I mean it, I found that even in my own uh, practice psychologists have uh, dark parts also in histories and doing that can be very difficult but it's trusting the process that if you go to the dark places of an artist as an artist you will come out the other side and and you know as a therapist you know that that can happen uh, so long as it's done safely, you know, without without uh, with managing risk, you know, it, uh, you have to trust that there's a journey involved going from dark to light. You know, well, yeah, then going from blank page to full page yeah. can feel like a big risk, <laughs> can't it? I mean, that's anxiety-inducing for a lot of people, and and that's actually one of the therapeutic benefits of art because the the ability to tolerate uncertainty, you know, is one of the problems with anxiety. That uh, uh, the if you want to overcome anxiety, you do art because you learn then to handle uncertainty and to trust that something will emerge that you don't know what it is and that's one of our big big difficulties in life you know? hello yes yeah. that's very familiar <laughs> let's read a few texts so i don't have to think about it too deeply <laughs> patty says i think art is very important as therapy i'm a cook and i believe cooking can be creative artistically and a therapy i am high-fiving you patty that is true it involves all the senses she says i'm making a journal for each of my three daughters and many of many family recipes these are memories stories and a memoir of mine my mother and grandmother cooking is so evocative i've always thought of it as art therapy and pleasure, says Patty. Another says, I'm a visual artist. I did funny drawing, adding poetry about daily life during the pandemic and then created eight e-books. They've since been acquired by Queensland State Library for their COVID history collection. <laughs> Amra, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because it speaks to why people might uh, f- struggle with the idea of whether their story is worth telling. Uh, what, what was it for you that made you think I should do this? I mean, for me, it was a, a need and also um, when people have mental health issues, you know, a lot of people think that there are, you know, this is a terrible thing but like a blight on society. And so for me it was giving my mum's life purpose and honouring her life um, because, you know, uh, she was a mother and she she that was kind of the only thing that she got to do because of, of her mental health issues. Um, and also I think... You know, with writing memoir, it's one of the things where um, writing from the truth, you know, it, it trumps the craft. Like at the end of the day, when you are telling a, a story from the heart and you are sharing something true and real, um, you don't know who out there needs to read it or even, you know, if you're, if you're creating any other art. And so sometimes putting things out there, you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it 
because you need it, you need that catharsis. But then when you put it out there, um, it's got like a ripple effect and, you know, people connect with it in ways that you don't know or you didn't anticipate. Um, and that's the joy. Like it's, it's in a sense you're writing the personal but you're telling the universal. Yeah, and this fascinating test just popped in as we're speaking with Amra Payalic and Paul Rhodes. It's from Kay in Katoomba. I also grew up with a bizarre mum who did strange things. She was a single mum. I grew up being very controlling, trying to keep my life safe and predictable. In my 20s, I stumbled across a Salvador Dali ex- exhibition. I followed a, train, a trail of ants drawn on the floor through the gallery, viewing surreal artworks. It took me all day because it was quite overwhelming. I had to leave and come back, says Kay. This was the start of me understanding I was controlling people around me to feel safe. It was a profound experience. This one too, when friends lose someone close to them, I love to coil a basket using fabric from a piece of the person's clothing and that would always remind my friend of the person they lost. The the basket can be used to put jewellery or something special from the person that passed. I feel good that I've given someone special memories. So yeah, there's different kinds of being useful in the world for these stories, I guess. Amra Payalic, how do you deal with perhaps accusations of self-indulgence? If you're writing your life story or a life story, it's quite a common response in Australia to say, you know, does that need to be shared? What's your response? Um, Yes, that is so true, isn't it, in Australia? Um, For me, I had to make it about something outside of myself. So I had to make it, it wasn't, it's so crazy we have to do this as a, a writer or an artist sometimes where you have to create for yourself, but then you have to make it a bigger purpose. And so I made the bigger purpose um, that it was sharing our story so that other people could understand what it was like and so that other people who had gone through this had more empathy for their family members. Um, And that's what really helped me even during those really hard times when I was struggling to write the difficult memories and go through that journey that Paul was talking about from dark to light. And so by always coming back to that purpose and even my mother initially when I started writing it, she asked me to use um, pen names and to use her Um, to not use her actual name. And when I gave her the draft um, to read because I wasn't going to publish anything that she didn't approve, um, she read it and she said two things that have always stuck with me. One was, you know me the best um, that anyone does and you really love me. And then she said, I want you to use my name. And so she, um, you know, had gone through such hardship in not understanding what was happening to her and not understanding um, what her illness was and how to control it until, um, you know, the last two decades of her life. And um, so she was able to really see the power of of what I was trying to do in telling her story. Um, And, you know, it, it worked. We did do that. Mm, that's beautiful. Uh, we have to finish up, but Paul Rhodes, I want to ask you uh, before that, you're not just a clinical psychologist, but an artist too in poetry and drawing. Mm-hmm. How has that helped uh, you frame your story? What have you discovered about yourself? <laughs> so much. I mean, uh, uh, I think the, what I've learned through doing art is that the boundary line between me and my clients is really kind of made up. It's not real. I mean, it's real because I'm trained, and it, but it's not real otherwise. It's two human beings with the same vulnerabilities meeting together. And it's really helped me to 
hold on to that and deepen, strengthen that. Uh, and it's made me a better therapist for that reason, because I have my own outlet and my own voice and I can deal with my own vicarious trauma as well in being a therapist. So it's been a very good thing. Strength makes me more human as a therapist. Well, I'm glad you're holding on to the legal definition of <laughs> the therapist versus yeah, the yeah. client. Yeah, but yeah of course. It's, it's a useful thing, isn't it, to go, we're all human beings. Yeah. It's been fascinating speaking to you both. It's quite a, a left field topic for us on Life Matters, and I think it's been so useful to people judging by the text that we've got. I want to read this last one to finish up with. My mental illness is tied closely with perfectionism and I recently undertook an artistic meditation on perfectionism to help me let go and bring some perspective. I made 81 clay square tiles allowing one minute each so that none of the tiles are perfect but brought together in a light box the imperfections are brought together in a form of beauty distilling some of the Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi the, uh, the imperfections. That's gorgeous thank you for sharing that. Thank you Paul Rhodes and Amra Payalic for joining in this conversation today. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Paul Rhodes is a clinical psychologist and associate professor at the University of Sydney and an artist and art teacher. And Amra Pialic is an award-winning author, memoirist and teacher who runs life writing workshops. And she's kicking off an online course with Writing New South Wales soon, Introduction to Writing from Life. You can find details on the Writing New South Wales website. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.